Hey, good afternoon, and welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta. We often underestimate just how much we have received from the Hellenistic tradition of thought in terms of how we come to understand many key doctrines in our, our Catholic faith. And in particular, what I'd like to zoom in our attention to today would be the doctrine of transubstantiation, our Eucharistic theology at large. We sometimes don't stop to think about what that even means. We know it's a long word. We sort of know that it means that there's a point in the Mass where during consecration, the bread and wine transform into the real body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the metaphysical mechanics behind it, if you may pardon the utilization of the term, uh, is extrapolated from Aquinas' theology, who borrows the language of Aristotle. To talk with us more about this is David Sherwood. David is a PhD student at Ave Maria University. He studies systematic and biblical theology, and previously he studied at the ITI Catholic University in Austria. He holds a licentiate in sacred theology and a master's in sacred theology. His undergraduate degree is from Thomas Aquinas College in Santa Paula, California. David, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Marcus. Thank you for having me on. Oh, no. Uh, We're very glad to be able to talk to you about this. So this article was published on May the 26th this year, on Homiletic and Pastoral Review. It's called Aristotelianism in Eucharistic Theology, and this is David's work. So, David, I want to ask you, what prompted you to start leaning into this particular topic of Eucharistic Theology? Well, in consort with the U.S. bishops' new uh, revival in Eucharistic Reverence, Ave Maria University this last year had an academic conference there in Florida focusing on the holiness of God in the mysteries of the Eucharist. Reflecting on that while I was in my classes, it occurred to me that we don't have a a common understanding of some of our dogmas, such as, as you had mentioned, transubstantiation. And when thinking about that, I stumbled upon an article in the National Catholic Reporter which denied that dogma clearly. Mm-hmm. And that forced me to reflect a little bit more on our, our on our faith and on our Mass while I was preparing for this conference. Okay, so, uh, and I'm really glad that it led you to pen this work. So, one of the biggest mistakes we can make in the sphere of Catholic theology is to recognize Aquinas' brilliance, uh, brilliance and his great work of synthesis, especially in his what we would consider as magnum opus, his Summa Theologiae, B- but to then label him as a kind of Christianized Aristotle. And in fact, Aquinas is so much more than that. So, give us a broader understanding of the the, the, the sheer brilliance of, of the man, the intellect of the man, uh, as he sought to extrapolate from natural philosophies and the heritage of those who had gone before him, the Catholic doctrines that were ahead of him. Well, part of the greatness of St. Thomas Aquinas is that he was never doing, or I suppose you would say rarely doing, pure philosophy. He subscribed to sacred doctrine, the science of sacred theology, and because of that, he always started with the revealed faith as handed on by the Church. Mm -hmm. So when he would approach any problem that intersected with the natural world, in our case here, a very simple one, taking up bread and wine, he was able to appropriate the insights 
and the language of the philosophers who had come before him under the light of revelation, always under the light of the faith. Because of that, when it came to the Eucharist, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, he was able to see that there was a very, very simple, so mysterious relation between the bread that we see on the altar at Mass and the person of Christ Jesus, whom we know by, again, the light of Revelation, Mm -hmm. is actually present there upon the altar during the Mass. So, you know, what what you just shared is, is essentially a kind of treatment of Aquinas' the the version of epistemology that he taught, that truly those who are baptized in the Christian faith have an obligation to utilize the heights of natural reason, but his was a kind of complementary presentation of faith and reason, and we know that to be true. But but he was also very critical of particular philosophical frameworks where they were wrong. For example, in question 117 in the Prima Paz, when, when he talks about man's actions and, and how man can teach, uh, one man can teach another man, uh, he, he rightly criticizes, for example, the, the Platonists and their belief in the pre-existence of the soul and kind of a priori knowledge. But, but he does, however, acknowledge that th- there's a kind of a priori appetite in the intellect for truth. So uh, tell, tell us more about that so that we can dive into how he understood transubstantiation. The be- part of the beauty of Revelation, and in Scripture most particularly, is that we're told how mankind, human nature, is in the image and likeness of God. Once we know that the Lord himself, God himself, is divine logos, divine reason, and we know that man is in the image and likeness of God, we are in the image and likeness of divine reason. And that is something that is natural to man. So when we had the ancient pagans, such as Aristotle, it's not that their discoveries and their ideas were nonsense, Mm -hmm. or that they were completely conditioned to their time. Rather, sometimes they would see by the image of God in their soul, see the truth of reality, the truth of the metaphysical structure of things. Mm -hmm. Thomas Aquinas knew this, again, everything that he did with sacred theology under the light of reason, knew this and appropriated the insights, not all of the insights of Aristotle, but the insights of the ancients, into his theology. Mm, exactly. In fact, his writings, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he quotes no one more than Augustine uh, throughout his Summa. Yes. But that being said, he copiously quotes from even non-Christian sources to whom he, he you know, he kind of, it's kind of a tipping his hat to the brilliance of these commentators who came before him, uh, Averroes and Avicenna, especially Averroes' commentaries on Aristotle's works. So this was a man who synthesized in, in true form the good that he found in every author he could get his hands on. And he, he's, he's such a student of scripture and the fathers, it's outstanding. So I want to pivot the discussion then to the, the proper language of transubstantiation. Uh, Aquinas appropriates this from Aristotelian lexicon. 
that we have the the, the words of substance and accidents. We, you've got bread and wine, and then the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And the average Catholic in the pew is able to at least articulate that much, even if not the word substance and accidents. But how can we go about talking about transubstantiation in a met, on a metaphysical perspective? Part of the beauty of the Aristotelian lexicon is that he pulled words and phrases from common usage. Now, it is, of course, ancient usage and in a language very foreign to us, especially in uh, America. We don't speak Greek. <laughs> he pulled from very basic concepts. But because of that, once we realize what his terms were actually saying, such as substance and accidents, we can connect these high fountain complicated terms to basic concepts that are truly perennial so that substance and action actually point to a common universal relationship mm-hmm. within things. And that, of course, is what was really appropriated into the church's Eucharistic understanding and, and dogmas, that basic relationship of substance and accidents. You know, it's outstanding that you mentioned that what prompted you to think about writing this article was that you'd encountered an, an article yourself in in the National Catholic Reporter, and it was an outright claim of repudiation of the, the doctrine of transubstantiation, which is, is baffling to consider because during the Council of Trent, an anathema was pronounced specifically for those who attempt to repudiate the doctrine of transubstantiation. Quite, yes. Yeah, so uh, from there then, this language of substance and accidents, as explicitly as you're able to in the next few minutes, help our listeners understand how how is this to be applied for the average person thinking about transubstantiation? Yes. First, it would be best to rapidly think about the just lexical, dictionary meaning of Aristotle's own terms. This word accident, of course, is now an English word, Mm -hmm. but it translates for the Greeks a term uh, that is symbebekos. Symbebekos is a conglomerate of two other words, sun and bino, which literally translate as to come with or to go together. And in fact, the, the Latin accidents, where we get our English accident, or mm-hmm. per accidents, means the almost the exact same thing for something to fall into another, for something to go towards another. So that these words, symbolicos, accidents, and our English accident, mm-hmm. merely refers to certain aspects of being which characterize something. So, for example, I myself, roughly 5'10", brown hair, those characterize my person, but my height and my hair color are not my person. That's right. In a certain metaphorical way, my height and my hair color fall into my person. They're re- they exist relative to my person. Mm-hmm. And again, that segues nicely into the meaning of the word substance. Substance, again, is a conglomerate of two words, going back in the fancy Greek to upokemenon, 
a conglomerate of two words, hupo and keme, mm -hmm. to underlie. Yep. So that, and in fact, the Latin substantia from where we get our English substance does the same. Substantia comes from substare, what stands under. Both of these terms refer to that aspect of being which exists in and of itself, which then is characterized by further things which fall into being upon it. Right. So my person may be substantial, but my hair color is right. accidental. So we've uh, come up to the break, David. I want to thank you for joining us. We've been talking to David Sherwood, doctoral student at Ave Maria University, where he's studying systematic and biblical theology. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon. <laughs> 